Okay, so so we have a guest back, um, Andrew. We brought Andrew Hello. back. You have heard him in the podcast about music. It'll be in the show notes. I don't remember the number. Yeah. Um, Andrew was about to deep dive on the notebook that he has and tell us why it's the best. What's the notebook called? Okay, it's a Rhodia notebook, uh, R-H-O-D-I-A. And they, they come in all shapes and sizes and um, lined and dotted. And, I like dotted. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, uh, yeah, the paper is just super nice. Um, it's really Wait, wait, smooth. what was the name of the paper again? I think that they use, it's a French paper called Clairefontaine. That um, sounds like an actress yes, and not that's a type of paper. Say. It does yeah. sound like an actress. And, and you can actually buy Clairefontaine notebooks as well. Oh, okay. But the, the construction of the, I just like them. And they're especially good for writing with a fountain pen. I, I would <laughs> love to just get your reaction <laughs> okay. to oh writing. Oh, my word. This is exciting. We'll do a, a live reaction. Yes. Can, can we? Okay. This is I mean, going to be riveting <laughs> audio content <laughs> for like how we're going to write. But you know what? It actually does uh, play into our topic. Kinda. It's the opposite of our topic. Yes. This is like sliding down an oiled banister <laughs> as you're writing. It's very mm. smooth. And for someone who writes in cursive, that's very yeah. nice. Also, I was also shocked because you said fountain pen. And what I had in my mind was like, mm. like yeah, the old timey like metal nib that, you yeah. know, has Did that you feel like you were at Hogwarts? It. A little bit. <laughs> but I didn't know that they had portable versions of these things. Because oh, yeah. typically... Well, I mean, I guess it does make sense that they would have portable versions, but like it's a whole world. Angle. I need to write on this paper with my with my just pilot G two gel pen. <laughs> yeah. Joe also has a particular, uh, you know, des- or, um, set of writing tools that she likes to work uh-huh. with. Obviously, she buys a certain kind of pen. But this is what I love about getting to know people is that there's certain things that they are connoisseurs of and I find that fascinating. (laughs) So some people are like, oh, you know, I really like coffee or this or that. But then there's some people who are like, so I'm really into pens. And I'm like, (laughs) yes, I want to know all about pens. Please explain to me about pens. It is really, even with my Pilot G2, it is still really smooth. It's delightful. Uh, And just to show you the inner workings of the pen. It looks like... You drew someone's blood. Yes. <laughs> so it's red ink, and it's got a clear reservoir that runs down mm-hmm. into a metal nib. If you've ever seen, like, a cute little caricature drawing of a pen with, like, the sort of, like, pointy-looking metal nib, that's what we're talking about here. Yes. So that's right. And it's, cool. it really is, you know, it's totally old school. Like yeah. You have, I have bottles of ink, and you put the nib down, and... Like twist the top, Ooh, and it draws and it draws the ink like up into blood. it. Yes, well, yeah. It uses and actually, a, this this ink color is called ox blood. Of so, course, yeah. it is. <laughs> um, I love it. You know, speaking of Hogwarts, <laughs> <laughs> sure. And writing with a quill, I've never understood why they didn't have like a self inking quill or a. I think they do. They mention it in the <clears throat> books, but it's like a specialty item. You because know how some people have gel they, pins. Yeah. Ink why school? are they still dipping their quill in ink? But it's like the two thousands. I just. Yeah. It's always been like a weird thing for me about Hogwarts. Well, I think this is actually going to be a very interesting way that we can dive into our topic today. What a segue. Okay. Yes. <laughs> so. All right. Hang on then, y'all. This is B 
be createful, a podcast about finding fullness through creativity. I'm Joe, and I'm Madison, and we have Andrew Cook <laughs> joining us today <laughs> on episode 104. And the t- I'm titling this episode "High Art or High Tech." <gasps> Ooh, nice. Madison, Thank you. that's good. You're, whatever you title them is always a shock. It's always a surprise. I never know what it's going to be. I always try to be new and innovative with my titles. Mm-hmm. Or at least slightly derivative in a funny way. <laughs> or sometimes I miss the derivation. Miss the Wait. <laughs> the <laughs> I miss how it's different. Yes. And the deviation, maybe? Yes. And um, then I, I don't get it, and I'm confused. Yes. I got that one. That's good. We're talking about? We're talking... Well, we're... Look. Let me just get into how we came about this. Okay. This originally was like a mini podcast we were hap- having at the beginning of another podcast. Yeah, I cut it out because we talked about it for like seven minutes. It was quite a long time. <laughs> so I didn't realize it was that long. Okay. I would say that this is, I, I don't know if this is part of my deep dive series, but I kind of yeah. want it to be. So uh, this will be your first deep dive of 2023. Yes. So basically around the beginning of the year, maybe uh, you, dear listener, Uh, saw this, that a lot of people were using various apps and uh, and AI to, um, they would feed their picture into it, and what it would spit out would be these very, like, stylized um, selfies of of themselves Mm -hmm. that had their face for the most part, but it wasn't, like, just a filter or anything like that. Right, it would make them look like they were um, in a sci-fi movie or in uh, like a fantasy character or yes. and mm-hmm. it was very highly stylized like like a piece of art yeah um and what got me talking about it was on on facebook people were having discourse about um is this transformative enough for it to be new art because this ai doesn't come up with things from scratch however i did go back into their twitter feed and they did say that they come up with this art quote from scratch. That's not how this works. So this this particular or these apps what they do is they have all of these images fed into them so that it basically learns an artist's style or it learns uh, based on the images that are put into it including the images you put in of your face mm-hmm. and what comes out sometimes is a very highly stylized selfie or sometimes what comes out is a disfigured mess yeah um (laughs) however that's not what's going to show up in your um on your phone because they have either trained the ai or they have people working on it to get rid of those various i've seen people share only the bad ones yes and it's pretty funny Mm -hmm. yes so it got me thinking about how do we use technology and art um but it also kind of took me down this path of like how do we consent to being used in art or our work being used or our work mm-hmm. being used in art uh there's been a long history in uh rap culture of sampling songs and not giving credit just using a certain amount of the song and not paying royalties versus you know uh maybe a song you know actually pays royalties if it has another song in right it. um so that's kind of what got me thinking about this. And so that, I think, is why it's perfect to have Andrew on with us today because music has a long history of, mm-hmm. I mean, just a long history, period, because 
we never come up with anything new, right? Right. Exactly. Well, because so. like Vanilla Ice, what was the riff that he, who did, it's Queen and David Bowie's. Under Pressure. Yeah. 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 Under Pressure. All I could think was Vanilla Ice. So I couldn't think of the other song. Um, so yeah, so that's kind of how I wanted, that's what I wanted to talk about today was technology and art and the ethics of using that and, and kind of like where are the lines and yes, yeah, indeed. Because the AI also has, and Andrew can speak to specifically maybe how you see it popping up in music. Um, I have a friend and longtime podcast listener, Kim, Yo, who Kim. Uh, teaches English and they've been talking about how these AI generators can write a whole paper. You can yeah. type in 500 words on Benjamin Franklin and it'll write you a 500 word essay on Benjamin Franklin. Which I cannot stress this enough. Humans are the ones that make computers. Computers don't come up with anything from scratch. Mm -hmm. It requires human input in order for them to learn. They can just read through and process way more information quicker, faster, faster yeah. than we, we can and synthesize it down into these papers. So this work is coming from somewhere. It's not from scratch. Right. Just like the jeans that you buy at Walmart for $10, someone made them. They didn't just... A machine didn't make them from scratch. Humans touched them. Yeah. Like, there's no robot, uh, robot arms who sew your jeans together. Right. And robots might be part of it, but there is still a human component in the jeans that you're getting for cheap or whatever. Like. Yes. We, th we try to erase humans out of things a lot, mm -hmm. I think, because we get disconnected from the, the human work that's still involved. That was a, a tangent. Andrew, tell us how it's well, showing up in music. Yeah, and it, uh, uh, on what you were saying, the, the human component is also like the um, coming up with the uh, algorithms and things like that and how the AI is going to, to process and produce but it, then it's also on the other end of all of the content, right? That's been been made by people. So, um, so there's there's human process in the inspir not inspiration, in the like the input kind of input and in how the output will happen. Mm -hmm. They so. talked about this. Um, there's a particular um, there's a particular AI called or the acronym is I think it's AI can or a can, but they've talked about how there is a pre-curation that happens. Humans mm -hmm. have to decide what goes into uh, into the machine, the database, whatever it is, and then there's a post-curation where whatever you know, the, whatever the machine spits out, there has to be a human on the other side deciding if it's fit for consumption oh, that or too. yeah, yeah right, right, yeah, or like is that a crosswalk or not? <laughs> yes, yeah. yeah, but yeah, because the ones that I've kind of fiddled around with will. Um, you know, ask you if this is acceptable or if you want to mm. trash it and try again or something like that. So there is a process of weeding so through. So what have you messed around with? Well, I find the art more interesting than the music, actually. <laughs> but, um, you know, the, the music side um, is... And, and I, I just want to, you know, disclaimer that I, I haven't had that much experience with it and I'm by no means an expert in it still still more uh, still more an expert than we are who, okay. have, who have right. messed around with nothing um, so th I just find it to be really um, uh, 
one dimensional, you know, um, because with the music you're asked, do you, do you want it like fast, slow or medium? And do you want, you know, in the style of, but the styles are not even like actual musical genres. It's right. like, you know, relaxation and, you know, this kind it's of It's more thing. like Spotify yeah. playlists. Yeah, yeah, genres. it is. It really is, you know, and, you kind of, and it kind of comes up with, what it comes up with is very generic, kind of like you would think of like background music. Yeah. And so from my experience in that and, and some of the artwork too, but with, with thinking about it in music, I was thinking, you know, this is, if this, if this has some kind of a benefit, the benefit is more of like people who need quick royalty free music right. as the background for their podcast or, or <laughs> like if they have a movie and they need some music. Yeah, playing in a coffee exactly. Shop. Exactly. And I, you know, and, and so I think everything that I experienced on that sounded to me cheap. That mm-hmm. that's how I would now. I've but I've seen some AI artwork that I'm like, oh wow, that's really you know that looks like someone really put time into that. It looks like a human creation. But um, but the music I think is lagging behind. But you know, give them two months and they'll probably. <laughs> yeah, I wonder what the input sources are for the music. Like, right. is it know. just kind of the math of music, like? The tempo mm-hmm. and a few instruments, whereas the art maybe requires a higher level of. Yeah. It, it's not like you you can just put in here are here's all the colors here's a couple of shapes and then it draws something like maybe yeah. it, it takes more from art. Right. I think. I mean, and it's easier to probably to program images than it is music, mm-hmm. like we talked about last time. Happens in time, mm-hmm. and you know, yeah. and so for for a computer program to like analyze that would take longer. Right. Cause how think, is it searching, you know? searching it? Yeah. Yeah. You know, there's something that's comforting to me about, uh, being able to tell the difference between something that is AI generated and something that is human made, right. because then I kind of like, you have that solace of like, Oh, well humans are still better than machines. Yeah. But what makes me really uncomfortable about this AI visual art is that oftentimes you can't tell the difference. Mm-hmm. And so it brings up certain questions like what is the value that humanity brings to art? Um, what were some other questions? Oh, I, I wrote this down. Like, is it, um, is this real art? Does is it cheating? Like all of yeah. these, like very visceral, like more emotive questions come up rather than, like I was kind of breaking it down. I thought that's not really rational. It was more of this feeling of are humans being replaced by machines, <laughs> and that's yeah. a very basic fear yeah. that I think excites a lot of people and made this kind of a big deal towards the beginning of this month. Okay, so you said. The way you said, what do humans bring to art? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, like what val like if we cannot tell the difference between uh, AI generated art and human generated art, what value then is our humans bringing to the art? Mm-hmm. Um, th- that was just a question that came to mind. So one of my colleagues told me the other day about, and I think this may have been a couple of years ago, but uh, the scientists at Honda, I guess, oh. made a made a robot that was capable of playing trumpet and like not just like playing trumpet but actually playing the instrument like buzzing their lips or it had yeah, lips it had <laughs> lips that buzzed and you know push it, pushing the valves and things like that and they were able to program it to play the Haydn trumpet concerto and so um and I was thinking about that and I thought 
you know, that's while that's really fascinating and interesting, and I might want to look to watch it and hear it. Yeah. But it's also just kind of a neat party trick in the end. Like you it's know? a novelty. It's a novelty. And and when I go to a concert to hear someone play, I'm going to hear, you know, that's a that's a human communication to mm-hmm. to the audience that is not present in the robot playing. Well, because is the is the robot gonna play it the same every time? That's what we think. Uh, I would, yeah, right. And mm. so there's no um, the robot then isn't affected by anything. Then right. is it is that art? Because I I think if we're looking at because we talk on the podcast all the time about how creativity is the process, not the product. So anything. AI can generate the product, but AI mm-hmm. will never be able to f- 100% generate the process, which is what you we were talking about at the beginning. But also the way we show up to our creativity affects the product and it makes something different every time. So like I, I think on our last podcast, you were talking about hearing different pieces of music by different people. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, how many people have played Beethoven yeah. or Bach or any of those composers? And yet every time you hear it, someone's going to play it differently. Yeah, exactly. Otherwise, I mean, that's, that's why when you search, you know, search any like popular classical piece of music on YouTube and you'll find hundreds and hundreds of different renditions of it. I mean, that's why people keep recording it because they have something different to say. If they if they were just going to copy you know the last person who played it, there's nothing special about that. And I think it's the same with the robot. Like the the people who programmed it programmed it to play this song and play it you know and, and go back and play it again and again and again. But there's no expression like direct expression or communication. Even if those people tried to program it that way, there's nothing really. And to me, that's like that's what art is. You know, like. It's it's communication and it's expression and emotion and is not, yeah and part of that mm-hmm. right and I yeah and exactly I was thinking of you know communication or expression of emotion yeah yeah and and if those things aren't present that's really there's there's no art there you know and there's like we said novelty and oh isn't that fascinating and uh, and then uh, you know I think I I want to hear that once and then I'll go find something else to listen to. Right. Yeah. So this is actually really interesting because um, while I was, I was doing research for another, a whole different class that I'm teaching, my sculpture art class, and I came across this um, experiential art duo. Um, They go by the name Operator, and basically they do um, high-tech art installations. So if you've been to an art museum and you've had more of an experience yeah. or maybe you've been to a, um, a high-tech art installation where maybe they've taken Van Gogh's work and they project it onto the walls. or um, And they have like music and lights and all that that's part of it too. Indeed. And Okay. Yes. Um, so they do things in that style. Um, but what I really liked about their work is because, or, or is that they, um, they often do commentary on uh, people agreeing to be part of art and people who, how we experience art now, how the digital age has changed how we experience it. Um, because I think the reason, and they, 
they bring this up too. I think the reason that a lot of these high-tech art installations are so popular is not because they give emotion or because they give people a certain feeling, but because they make for good pictures to then post onto the internet. <laughs> mm. it, it is it is not a thing to go and and it, it's not something that you go and experience. It's something you go and experience and then you report back to your followers. And so is that really then us going and experiencing art? Or are we just, you know, are we just saying, oh, I went and saw the robot that played trumpet. Here, here's a selfie of me with the robot. Mm -hmm. And I, I guess I get concerned that this digital art, that this, um, that this AI art is just to be consumed. They made an app which people have to pay for in order that has that uses a ton of other artists' artwork without their permission mm. to then for them to pay to then have a cool avatar on social media. So like do you are you kind of getting yeah. a picture for what I'm concerned yes. about? Here? What I I think we could relate this to food and nutrition. So um if you if all you're ever eating is like McDonald's or fast food or you know like you're having these culinary experiences that are tasty and meant to be fun but then you kind of lose the your taste buds for food that's actually good for you and nourishes you um and it becomes the consumption it's cheap, so yeah. there's like a dollar menu, and you can get a, a lot of food for cheap, but then it's not actually nourishing you, benefiting you at all, and then you're just addicted to that food, and you have to like keep going back mm -hmm. for more. And Because I, eventually that experience will become mundane. And the next one will come out. We also are becoming so wired to use technology in everything that we do. And so then are our brains capable of receiving a dopamine hit from something that doesn't light back up at us? Mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah. I think it um, brings in the question of not just artificial intelligence specifically, but technology in general, yes. the role that it has in the creative process and, and in our lives. So I'm really glad that you brought up the dollar menu idea because I think <laughs> I think there is a um, I think there's an economic aspect to this as well that can be explored. Technology has allowed people a lot of access to art, yeah, but yeah. it has also made it cheaper. So the people who then who have the money and time to go see someone play a classical piece in concert get smaller and smaller as Oh well, you know the robot that can play this trumpet is coming to town. You you only have to pay this amount to go and see it. Well, okay, I want to push back on that a little bit. The people who can go see it live, yes. But then the the opposite of that, and the good part of technology is that it it also gives people access who wouldn't have had it before. Because now, like you were saying, Andrew, you can go on YouTube and. And see lots of people playing things and be exposed to lots of things we wouldn't have been exposed to before. Allow me to push back on your pushback. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, seeing something in person or experiencing a piece of art in person, whether it's a play or a piece that, especially something that is present within time, 
is a different experience than watching it in the comfort of your own home. Sure. So that's, I mean, yes, it's great that Hamilton got on Disney Plus because a lot of people cannot afford to go and see it. And I think that is a benefit. But the reality is, is that people are not getting to experience the art in the way that it's meant to be intended. You are getting a diet version of that experience, which is better than none, in my opinion. Well, I agree. Right. But um, I, what I'm concerned about <laughs> here is that as technology makes things more available, it becomes more and more exclusive for people to be able to get in touch with the real thing. It reduces the opportunities for people to you go and think experience so? that. I think the exclusivity was always there. I think that it the, is still there. The number of people who are going to go to New York and watch Hamilton is very small. Now, if Hamilton travels and you get the off Broadway, then fine. What it came to Little Rock, didn't yes. it? So it came to Little Rock. Let's say it was here for a week. How many Arkansans really had access to go see it in that week? And did that number go down because it came on Disney Plus? So did someone say, you know what? I don't want to go see that live, even though it's coming to Little Rock, because I can just watch it on Disney Plus. I I don't know that it's limiting the access. If it's making access more limited than it already is. Maybe that's what I'm okay. trying to say. I could hear that. Yeah. I, I hear what you're saying that maybe we are. Um, I think we're starting to think that the substitute or seeing it on TV. We're settling. Is fine. It, it's like stuff that people movies that people say you really need to see this on the big screen. Mm -hmm. But then you're like, oh, it. It's going to come to Netflix in two weeks anyway. Do yeah. I really need to go see it on the big screen? Mm -hmm. I don't know. Yeah. Um, I kind of hear both sides. You know, <laughs> it's we, we need someone objective here. Because, sometimes. you know, we, there is, like, I, I always will value, like, the live experience. And even though I had seen Hamilton, like, you know, a bunch of times, it was a different and unique and really great experience to see it live. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, that, that moment of seeing it live sticks out in my mind way more than all the times I watched it before. Right. Um, even the first time I watched it, you know, the, the live version kind of means more to me. You know, I was right there in the theater. But, but the technology that brings, I mean, the value of having access to all of the music we have access to. And uh, there was, uh, you know, we can listen. I, I, I heard a kind of a, I don't, it wasn't an exact statistic, but just an anecdote of, you know, the average person has the ability to listen to a wider variety of music than any composer or musician in the history Mm. of music you know I mean in one day compared to a lifetime of a of what you know a, a person would have in say the 1800s so right like we just have access to a global library yeah, of music yeah. yeah and yeah and I think that's that's what we have to keep in mind too with the AI and which you already said that it's it is it does all come from some kind of human origin and it is like um I don't want to say it's inspired by because it's really taken and manipulated and kind of recast as something. But 
humans have always been inspired by things. And it, Picasso said, good artists borrow, great artists steal, right? This is I true. Think. Can't yeah. confirm. Um, so, so to me, now, but so the, the AI will always be the product once removed of human origin mm -hmm. until AI starts taking the AI artwork and using that as, so then when you get a few generations away, maybe the human influence is not as immediate, but mm -hmm. it's still there, oh. I think. Now I'm thinking about the, uh, the old thought experiment, and I can't remember the name of the boat, and that just is a real mm. bad look. But an ancient boat, it, each like piece gets slowly replaced. Is it the same boat after oh, right, yeah. all of it has been replaced? And you're like, hmm, is it still the one that has sailed? It looks like it. Yeah. It was replaced piece by piece. So like after several generations, yeah. like is it the same boat? Is it transformative enough? So and there's I, a, yeah, that's interesting. There's another thought. example of like it's a uh, a a sculpture or a, a monument of a um, of some sort that stands at the front of a building and it keeps getting stolen by students, you know, so I'm like a university <laughs> yes. campus. And so it keeps getting stolen. So they chain it down. So the students can't. And then after so many years of students, it just becomes a part of, you know, like that statue has a chain on it. It's just, That's wow. just part so of it is this, the chain a part of the, the work of art or is it not? And where do we draw the line on the, Boundaries. Yeah. Interesting. Ooh, there's, I think that there's some good um, theological applications oh, yeah. to that <laughs> to that story too. Like the things that one culture does to protect something, mm -hmm. and then when the next people come along and think yeah. that that was what the creator of that thing intended, right? Yeah, and and was it? And so then you start assigning meaning. You start assigning artistic meaning to the chain mm -hmm. because you think that the artist included it as part of the creation and really yeah. the chain wasn't supposed to exist there at all. And I had this discussion with my students just this morning in class, mm. music history too. Uh, and so we were discussing Bach. And so Bach, for Bach, there was no, the piano wasn't invented when he was alive. Mm. Um, and so any keyboard music he wrote would have been played probably on harpsichord, most likely on harpsichord. Mm. And so um, now, though, you hear plenty of people playing Bach mm. on piano. Yeah. And so we were just, we had a, just a short discussion of, is this what he wrote? Because it's not the instrument he intended. Um, mm. You know, and it, it is the notes, but a piano sounds much different than a harpsichord and is able to do a lot of different things than a harpsichord can do. Um, you know, dynamics, for one, uh, that it can play much louder and softer and sustain and all kinds of things like that. So, you know, it's a, it sounds different when you play it on a piano, but that it doesn't mean that it's not Bach, but it's not what he would have heard when he created it either. Mm. So oh. it, it just kind of, you know, it, it, it's just a consideration when, when you're listening to or making music, um, you know, and if it matters to you or not. And we talked last time, I think, about who is the artist or, mm -hmm. who, you know, the obviously the composer, but the musician is an artist, too. They're not right. just a technician yeah. of the music. And so it is cool to think of how 
our art or the things that we're creating will take on a life of their own. Yeah. When another creator puts their um, talent into them. Right. And how cool and that which is. Which that's another thought I had that, you know, as we see all of this AI uh, stuff kind of come out of the, it feels like it's come out of the blue almost, <laughs> you know, in the last six months or something. Yeah. Um, but then the people who write the algorithms and the people who, especially the people who put the parameters into the search. The people who are doing the curating of like yeah. what gets fed in and then picking yeah. what to show people once it comes so out. So do they, this. are they in a sense artists? Do they become uh, a, a, a new type of artist? You know. These are some of the questions I had. I looked up the definition of technology because I think that AI feels like, oh my gosh, this new technology, but technology mm -hmm. has been around all the a long time. I mean, the yes. printing press was technology that made creative endeavors more accessible. Oh, the yeah. moment that humans picked up a stick to help them <laughs> poke something, that was a technology <laughs> because it's a physical enhancement that humans then used that is beyond themselves. Right, mm -hmm. right. And I was trying to limit it specifically because I think it's easy for us to think of technology in terms of like the tools that we're using to make our lives better. So the definition that Google gave me was the application of scientific knowledge to the practical aims of human life. Mm -hmm. So I think we that is kind of where we sit with technology, a, mm -hmm. a definition we'd be comfortable with. What this is doing with AI or with some an example like the printing press is it is now looking at the application of scientific knowledge to the creative aims yeah. of human life. Yes. And so we, I mean, finding fullness through creativity, we blur those lines at make do all the time between what is creative, what is practical, what mm -hmm. is, you know, like we think that things can be both. Yes. Um, but this is different. That's maybe what makes it different than a stick. Now, the first uh, person <laughs> that that dipped a stick in mud and drew on the cave wall. Yeah. You know, like yeah. instead of just using their finger, they realized, oh, if I uh, put these palm fronds on the end of my stick, it makes a little brush. Yeah, and that <laughs> makes my cave art even better. Yes. You know, Um so I forgot what I was going to say about well, that. Well, we're always looking for ways to to like you said enhance our creativity. So the so this really what I think in in since we talked about it the first time and you know, it's been stirring around in my yeah, mind yeah. that that I have to say that either it is a tool, an interesting tool that because I, for well for instance like I was uh, I saw or heard one artist say that they were using AI creative art in order to inspire their next painting, okay. you know, so, so kind yeah. of coming up with idea those initial ideas of, you know, like like we would go to a museum and be inspired by or go this, to Pinterest and you know, look anything. up anything, yeah. ideas, right? Yeah. And so it, it becomes a, a a useful tool for artists to use that way, or it could become an inspiration for what artists do in the future. AI art and artwork is all derivative of human creation, mm -hmm. then that could push, potentially, I'm just, it's just one option, is it could push 
artists to do things that they perceive as this, or try to do things that have never been done before. Mm -hmm. Like so much of, you know, there have been whole movements, um, you know, like neoclassicism and um, uh, uh, polystylism in the 20th century of referring directly, like really specifically to other eras or other artworks mm -hmm. and things like that, or combining them mm -hmm. and doing it deliberately so that the listener, um, I'm speaking specifically in music, so the listener can associate those things themselves. So that's kind of what AI does, is draws on all of those things. So maybe artists in the future are working toward, you know, like putting more of a, what we think of as a human stamp on it that, you know, differentiates it from computer generated because, you know, how can, if, a, if the computer is limited to what it what is fed into it, then mm -hmm. I'm gonna try and create the most original thing that mm -hmm. I can. It's almost like putting, um, you know how, like, and speaking of uh, royalties, mm -hmm. like, you know, an, on, an online image will have the watermark on it so you can't use yeah. it. So, you know, like a digital watermark almost to say this isn't of, this is of human creation in some way. Mm -hmm. I don't know how that works, but is, is that, am I making any sense? No, is this that, is interesting because okay. you talk about it as like a tool as what, for what artists will do, um, or what they will use in the future. Mm -hmm. So in one article I read, they related AI-generated art to photography. Because when yeah. photography first came out, they're like, "That's the machine does most of the work. Uh, uh -huh. yeah. And I think this is where like that fear comes from of like, well, what do, what do humans bring to this? Because the amount of, quote, time that you mm -hmm. that people perceive goes into this art, like the human time is very small, or you may you may think it's small yeah. or it's not going in the right places mm -hmm. where you're like, well, you're just snapping a photo, yeah. but they didn't. But what we didn't understand was that it takes a true artist to be able to compose a picture in a way that produces feeling and emotion for those who are looking at that picture. And mm -hmm. so I think that's what makes, I think that's how it can easily relate to AI art because it requires a artist to look at, the you know the range of whatever the AI spits out like you know hundreds right. of photos and pick out the one that gives feeling and uh, that you can assign feeling and emotion to. Mm -hmm. I like that you brought that up because I think we can use photography then as a way to go back to your question of what does the human bring mm -hmm. to the creative process yeah. because I bet there was a lot of portrait oil painting artists mm -hmm. who were like, they're going to put me out of a job, yeah. this damn camera. Mm -hmm. And <laughs> I'm going to, now they're, people are just going to take a picture and that's going to be their likeness and no one's going to need an oil painting. Mm -hmm. But look, that's not been true. No, it, it, but it I mean, the, re the reality is, is it has then shrunk that job into a very niche job. So yes, it did change. So I understand that fear. It did change, but I wonder if those if that person got less because the people that could afford an oil painting mm -hmm. still want the exclusivity of having an oil painting. Yeah. Yes. So, um, well, I'm thinking about the little guy who would paint because there there was these cute little lockets that they would have back then. They would commission the eye of their loved one to be painted, which is quite cheaper, mm. and it was very small, and that's what they would have painted and they'd have it in a little locket so that they could have it. I can get, I can almost guarantee you that those people 
then immediately went over to photography because it was cheaper because they couldn't have a full image of their... Mm. But then that speaks to access. Now they have access to get a full image of their loved one, not just But that eye painter is now out of a job. That's kind of what I'm thinking about. I'm not thinking (laughs) about these high artists who are like, who are probably going to continue to have jobs. I'm thinking about these people who are on Instagram, who are talking about how my art is getting fed into these machines. And I may not have like my... My voc- my vocation may not exist anymore, and I want to give validation to that because it will probably shrink the 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 market for people who who do those sorts of. Things. I would say shrink and shift. Yes, because mm-hmm. it's it happens in every industry, right? Mm-hmm. If we move to more electric cars, then you got the coal miners saying, "I don't have a job anymore." That's true. Or if so, these conversations happen everywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, and the, and it also i think we can make a distinction on people who are using their creativity as their livelihood mm-hmm. versus mm-hmm. people who are approaching creativity as part of their life and and yeah. it that's two separate mm-hmm. things too mm-hmm. um, well i think that's well the people the those who have it in their lives and those who use it as their livelihood. I think it was that intersection that caused such an uproar at the beginning of this year where those were the people who use it as their livelihood or or telling the people who have it in their lives, hey, this is how the artwork is being created and we are concerned that I'm that we are part of a shrinking market now. Oh, I see what you're saying. I I wasn't talking about the people who are using the AI in their lives. Just just the those of us who won't we use creativity in our livelihood. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But people who don't depend on creativity for their livelihood, but they are engaging with creativity in different avenues. Not just AI, but like yeah. they are engaging with different avenues of It's the creativity. oil painter versus the paint by number person. Yeah. Right? Ooh, Maybe. interesting. Okay. I don't know. Well, but because we if we say painting is good for you, painting yeah. has all these benefits and not every no, I mean, most people are not going to become oil painters, but does painting by number help give you some of, not all, the same... um, And even if a person just enjoys it, you know, if they're enjoying the process of it and they like the result, then that's good for them, you know? Mm -hmm. But, yeah, I was thinking that with this, like, we only... We get so stuck in just defining, like, what we know. Mm -hmm. We only know, like, the people who had never seen a photograph before, the only way to get the image of a person was to have someone paint it. Mm-hmm. And so, but after the invention of photography, then they had to get used to, they, like all of the, the intricacies of what, what goes into photography and, and why would a person need to be talented at mm-hmm. photography to make a good, doesn't the machine do all of that? And yeah. like you said, and so th- we just don't know what, what those things are that yes, will be created. Yes, that's kind of finishing my thought yeah. from earlier. Was so the it took away some art from like let's say the little guy who was oil painting the eyes, mm-hmm. but it opened. I, I know that sounds weird, but it's true. Yeah. Look it up. Yeah. No, <laughs> but it but it opened up a whole new profession. Yes, to of yes. photography artists. Yes, so that's why, like, when we look at what's going on today, I don't. I mean, it, and it may, not that I'm not sympathetic to those people, yeah. it may 
squeeze some people out of a job. But I'm more, I'm more concerned that their, their art is being used without compensation uh -huh. or any kind of permission, permission, yes. yeah. identification of, you know, just like, where did you get it from? You know, mm -hmm. just where did it come from? Because then it's the acknowledgement of that it came from a human, one. Yes. And then two, uh, yeah, I mean, we do have, and there are active lawsuits right now against mm. the AI, some of the AI yeah. um, engines. And, um, you know, because if, if they were being, it, it, at least it's my belief, if they were abiding, tr if they were abiding by the law, then they would, they, they could use art up to, uh, what, 70 years ago, or it depends on what kind yes. of art it is. So the, up to the point where there's, you know, the, there's uh, j just what's in public domain. Yes. And then, um, which would limit a lot, you know, that has been created in the past few decades. And yes. Would, yeah. So and the lines are already so blurry. Yes. About like what constitutes stealing someone else's work. Exactly. Versus yeah. being inspired by them. Plus all these artists, like especially if you think of an artist on Instagram who's maybe an illustrator or whatever mm -hmm. kind of artist. And so they are posting their things to a platform yeah. that they don't own. Yes. So now you're posting your art onto Instagram and you no mm -hmm. longer own those images. And so it's created a lot of copyright um, well, questions. A yeah. lot of these people have put their water, put their watermark mm -hmm. on their art because they don't want their artwork to be stolen. And what's really creepy is that in some of these like uh, AI generated art, you can see where watermarks. hundreds uh. of people's watermarks uh. have been like conglomerated together in like the <laughs> bottom right corner. And uh -huh. I, for an artist, like the way that they were talking about it in their particular article, they were like, it's the mangled remains. <gasps> oh, and as yeah. a creative, yeah. it like tugged on my heartstrings. Mm -hmm. I was like, all right, this is emotion, Madison. Like, <laughs> I, I know I feel strongly about this, but I need to do more research as to like, is does this have like hey, any standing? It's it's just a a digital version of the quilt coat, you know. Oh yes, people. So we did an episode a while ago. But people will take old quilts yes. and like mangle them, chop them up, and mm -hmm. turn them into quilt coats. Yeah, and it's a huge. <laughs> people have very strong opinions on in the both quilting ways. community. Yes, yes. you're uh -huh. taking a piece of art and you're turning it into something else. Mm -hmm. That are you respecting? Yeah, and then the you will also have it. people in the same community saying, "Yeah, we're like creating new art out of it." So uh -huh. this conversation is similar. It, it's not specific to AI. Like, no, we've had the same conversations in less technological circumstances. Yes. Yeah, and the people. I mean, I you know I obviously I side with like you guys the the side of the artist feeling like, oh, something's been taken from me. Mm -hmm. I think that on the opposite side, they're saying, like the peop the, the AI side, they're saying, well, you know, it's the same thing if a, another human would go and, or just search the internet and look at and be inspired by, you know, because we're not using it necessarily. They're just, it's informing what we're it creating. It is but one in hundreds of thousands right. of pictures. Yeah. But so how can you claim? Yeah. So oh. I said, and, and I saw an interview with one of the creators of one of those uh, uh, engines recently, and 
he said, well, I don't really want to get into the conversation. Of. And the guy was, the, the interviewer was like, well, too late because. You're here. <laughs> yeah, you already crossed that line. You are so. the conversation, bro. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I, I, I'm glad that you brought that up because one of the questions that I wrote down when I was like initially having this reaction was, who's benefiting from this? Mm. Mm, because yeah. Lenza specifically charges you. That's one of the apps. Yeah, that's one of the apps. Mm-hmm. I think they charge you. I think it's $40 a year mm. to use it. So, yes, it did, it did take time and effort in order to build the algorithm, but they have to have images then to put in it. Yes. So without those works, if you took out people's right. original works, would their product still exist? And I think that's ultimately why the law, or I hope, will side with the artists. Yeah. Right. But or see, you should go be a witness on yeah. the stand. I'm gonna <laughs> or the, listen to this podcast, everyone. Yes. Yeah. Exhibit or a. those companies and apps need to be hiring artists to create art to what then is be getting fed, 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 fed in. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Um there was an an artist who um who actually started doing AI art way back in the nineteen seventies, it was it didn't it doesn't it didn't function like Ours says now it was more like uh, it was more manual than mm-hmm. digital, um, but he fed his own artwork mm. into the mm-hmm. AI and therefore generated his own stuff. Andrew, kind of like you were talking about earlier, like maybe artists feed their own artwork into it to then get inspired and yeah. see if there's something mm-hmm. that they can create from that. Because mm-hmm. um, I wouldn't have any problems with using a tool like that. Right. Um, artists all the time use digital me- media to like kind of sketch and figure out their ideas well or or just other things like i don't think it even has to be digital like um you know do you shuffle a deck of cards and and draw something and get it uh, and you're like oh i drew a heart and i drew this seven and now i'm gonna like let that inspire me or Mm -hmm. i don't like i think that there's a lot of i'm gonna open up a book and point to a word and the then I'm going to take that sentence and I'm going to let something like that inspire me. Um, when I was trying to think about how I feel about it, cause I see both sides too. Um, I'm also pretty s- always l- tend to be skeptical of um, giving the computers more power. So like, <laughs> you know, enemy of the state. I don't know if y'all saw that movie, but it's mm-hmm. like from the nine, it has Will Smith and Gene Hackman in it. And it's like Big Brother is listening. Mm -hmm. It's the first movie that I saw that was kind of like that. But, you know, I don't have Alexa in my house and Siri's not turned on and it's Mm -hmm. still creepy what my phone knows. So anyway, (laughs) I think the question for me is, does AI or any technology amplify creativity? And that could mean give access to people who didn't have it before. um, Or is it replacing it? Is it, is it amplifying an artist's ability to further themselves in their creative endeavors? Or is it replacing that artist so that as consumers, we no longer need them? Is it giving um, me access to a skill that I would like to practice, but I don't have the skill on my own? So I think of Procreate, like I draw on my iPad. I couldn't draw the things that I draw, the murals I make or whatever, I couldn't do that on pen and paper because I need a little bit of assistance. Now, maybe I could, but it would take too much time or whatever. I need a little bit of digital assistance to unlock what's in my brain. Mm -hmm. 
we had talked to Andrew about GarageBand yes. and people who can't actually play an instrument. Right. But they can use GarageBand to compose these things that are in their head and they yeah. just don't have a way to get it out. Yeah. And it kind of has like, you know, it's kind of pre-made, easy to do. You don't need technical knowledge. You need just a, like a little bit of, you know, tech intuition and you can start putting together something that sounds really nice. So that's that's really similar to what we're talking about mm-hmm. with, you know, um, with AI stuff. But yeah, I mean, the tech, the technological tools are always, because I was thinking, as you were saying that, like, you have a tool to make, that makes you a better, you know, it makes a better drawing, or you're able to make a better yeah. drawing. But like, you know, back in the Renaissance, no, before, the, like, well, medieval Renaissance, you know, you come up with new pigments that make things look mm-hmm. more lifelike, and I'm able to make this painting more lifelike because I have access to these types of pigments or Right, and whatever. we wouldn't so say now, looking back that far, we wouldn't say, oh, that artist was no. cheating because they were using pigments that weren't yeah. available before. But the guy who only had access to the other pigments was like, well, hey, that's not fair. Yeah. yeah. He can't, you know. I think yeah. about it in sewing, um, in the quilting community, there's people who will say it doesn't count as quilting if you use a machine. Oh, yeah. Or it doesn't yeah. count as, that. you know, we're always trying to put parameters on what counts for the art and what yeah. doesn't. And now we've moved beyond AI and specifically. Like, I do uh, some woodworking, and um, it's the same thing with, like, if you look at uh, people who do only, like, old school, like, hand tool woodworking. Uh-huh. And the versus the people who use machines, yeah, yeah. and the people with machines can churn stuff out like super quick and yeah. really high quality, you know. But they haven't put the time and the effort and the, you know all the care, and you have to learn how to sharpen all your yes, you everything know, down to the right everything. spot. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, it, so it's it's like just two kind of different mindsets, but I think there is a place for both, you know, and um, and for people to appreciate both. Yeah, I mean. Even if you're one or the other, like I can, I can appreciate that you know someone uh, like a younger person, one of my students. Okay, so yeah, this is a good example. Um, so I have a student who he likes in music history. He has made a habit of taking music that he thinks is interesting, and then he will splice it and sample it and then rework it into dance music. No. <laughs> and so he did this from everything from medieval up to modern. Oh. You know? And there were some fantastic results. Um, and But that he wasn't doing it to be serious either, really. Yeah. You know, it was just... Um, but I really, uh, as an outsider, though, I, th- I was really impressed by it. I thought it conveyed a real sense of humor, you know, about... Yes. Or just kind of irony, I guess. Um, and... Uh, you know, I think there, that, that there is a place for that. I mean, and to, he's to engaging with the subject matter. Yeah, yeah. And so it's, if, it's, if you're creating something and someone's going to enjoy it, um, you know, or it's going to be useful, then, then I think we can find a place for it. Mm-hmm. It is about having, deciding as a society what parameters we're going to put on it. I think what is, um, because I share, Madison, in your, like, ickiness I don't know if that's the right word but like some of the the initial kind of fears that Mm -hmm. you have um because I don't want to see people get disconnected from the processes we hear people tell us all the time oh sewing is a lost art and I I think that's what I want to avoid is Mm -hmm. certain things becoming a lost art because AI like learning how to put your thoughts into a coherent argument 
losing that mm-hmm. because AI can just give you your argument. You know, I think that yes. there's value to the the critical thinking. Um, and now I forgot what I was going to say. I don't remember. Well, the human synthesis is the important part. I've watched this as, you know, I've grown up in school and then studied to become an educator. We no longer put the emphasis on you need to learn how to do the research. There's some of that in school, but we have so much information at our fingertips mm-hmm. that it's less about, all right, write me a report on Benjamin Franklin. You mean you didn't have to spend days learning how to use the card catalog? I mean, there you go. <laughs> like, yes. oh, I wrote, a, I wrote an essay on Benjamin Franklin. Is it worth less because I didn't spend days going through card catalogs? Right. What has always been more important is the, is the human synthesis, is the ideas mm-hmm. that we then... Um, put our stamp on like, well, okay, give me more of an opinion piece rather than just telling me the facts because everyone has access yeah, to I the Yeah, I mean, facts. that's like when I teach music history now, I I don't, I really don't teach dates or, you know, in, facts or anything like that. I'm trying to teach them how, how to um, understand, you know, uh, societal influence over, you know, and, and to look at big changes over time. What, what, uh, what kinds of, you know, um, wh- what things happen to, to move art in this direction, you know, to move music in this direction, or the people who have the power to make certain decisions that, that m- you know, were influential and those kinds of things, to think about it rather than, because they can just, you know, they don't need to know. They can I, just Google I it if they're like, yeah. hmm, when, when was the date when that happened? I have the composer's dates memorized because I needed to have them yes. memorized. But also how but valuable because I I wish that my – I had to take art history classes as an art yeah. major, and I wish it had been more of an emphasis on the why yeah. versus, like, the when mm-hmm. and the – I mean, the what and the who are still there too, but, yeah. like – being able to see the big picture. And yes, they do teach that, but that's not what you're tested on. I don't know. Yeah. I just think it's like one of a the, nice approach. One of the things that I try to stress throughout like the whole, you know, history um sequence is to look at um the the patronage of art and how it changes over time. You know, and depending on if your if your patron is the church or is some, you know, royal court, mm-hmm. or then the audience, like yeah. in the 18th, 1800s, um, you know, that has a th- probably the biggest effect on what you're going to produce as an artist, because, you know, you have to fulfill the wants and desires of your patron, whether it's, you know, um, a single person or a whole audience that's going to show up, or in mm-hmm. the 20th century, when composers start to be more employed by universities and they have more academic freedom to compose what they want and you see music start to go in all these different directions you know because they didn't have to worry about pleasing an audience anymore they could do they could just you know really just create yeah freely and so that's those kinds of trends are i you know much more important sorry i'm getting off topic here but yeah I have anyway. one more thing to say about AI, but Madison, I wanted to make sure that you shared all of your deep divey things because I bet we're getting close to time. Uh, I I shared most of them, but I I did want to emphasize that like this is not something that we can like oh we're gonna casually think about and come back to right. because it is happening now and big money is being thrown around now. We talked about the lawsuit, the um, 
the AI that I talked about earlier, AI can or ACAN, uh, they have pieces that have sold for over sixteen thousand dollars. Gosh, yes, like we're this is yeah. serious stuff that's going on here, and so um, it's it's not just something that's like oh well that's just something mm-hmm. casual to think about. Oh one oh can I yeah go ahead in? interject okay, please. Okay, so so one thing that I was thinking about that specifically because there have been instances like you know of things selling for big money and that uh, where people have been open about. This was generated by AI, and yes. then there have been people who don't disclose it at all, mm. and so that to me is an important aspect yes. of it. Like, if you're the person who, I mean, they say the artist says, "Well, if you think it's worth that much money and you like it that much, then you'll pay that much money." Yes. But if you don't know the whole background of that work of art, that seems disingenuous to me. Yes. You know, or like you're trying to get by with something that's not. Not really above board. Yeah. That reminded me of what I was going to say earlier Mm -hmm. when I lost my train of thought. Mm -hmm. It was that we have to decide as a society what boundaries we are going to set around this and what is important to us. Yes. And it needs to be that we're deciding, not that it's being decided for us. Mm -hmm. And that speaks to a lot of the fear, I think, is that. And not just, this isn't the first time. No. That society has had to (laughs) decide Mm -hmm. what was important to them. Um, but I think it can be a great tool if we have the right guardrails set up. And if we yeah. don't, then we're the likelihood of flying off the cliff is quite high. Yes. Well, I can only think about like if if you're familiar with NFTs, mm-hmm. these like supposedly entirely unique pieces of digital something out there in the world that's being traded for large amounts of money. It's like... I see that already happening in our society. And then this AI thing came up and I was like, oh no, we have now made this more accessible to the the mainstream sorts of people instead of those who are just on Discord trying to, you know, do yeah, all that they can't do in the buying we, and training. But we also don't understand it. That's I tr- like know yeah. what an NFT is, but I still don't know what an NFT is. You yeah. know what I mean? Yes. So that's why that that's why there's kind of like this undercurrent because I'll just be frank. My opinion on NFTs is I don't I don't like them because they don't add they don't bring anything to the table. Right. They don't add value to anything. It is a object to be passed back and forth between people to spend money on, and I just don't like that. I could be a hypocrite talking about that, but that's just how I feel about. That specific thing, so. <sighs> well, yeah. and it goes to show, like, it's all just a construct anyway, right? Like, <laughs> like yes. our paper money, a construct. Yes. We trade it back and forth. It doesn't mean anything. Like, mm-hmm. it, we, it has value because we've given it value. Yeah. Mm-hmm. NFTs have value because people, people have gave it to them. them and value. people can also just take it away. Like, yes. not one person, but a, the group of people can collectively decide, mm-hmm. nope. This doesn't mean anything anymore. Yeah. So I think that's why all of those fear-based reactions happened within me. Because what we're really asking is not really like, is this real art? It's like, what is the nature of humanity (laughs) and originality? And you're like, oh, this is quite a deeper question here. And because people with power tend to also be quite greedy and not have the greater good in mind. I don't know. Like, it's easy to just... There, yeah, well, for, yeah. Go ahead. Well, I mean, I was that gonna, was a br- like the people who are behind the scenes making decisions that are influencing mm. lots of yeah. people. They don't have mm-hmm. the best interest of artists in mind no. or no. art. 
Um, They're just trying to build their next spaceship to yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. get further to the moon. Yeah. Um, oh, I completely forgot what I was going to say. Well, while one. you think about that, <laughs> here is, um, this is maybe as I w- was thinking about it, my first interaction with what would now be considered AI enhanced creativity, we'll call it. So I came across this when I was in Ireland writing my dissertation on creativity and faith. And um, because I was writing on the premise that everyone is creative. And I stumbled across this project. It was called the Smirnoff, as in Smirnoff vodka, the Smirnoff Mind Tunes project. And I'll put a link in the show notes because the video is, is quite cool. But the guy who created it, he said, if you have a brain, you can create. And so they took quadriplegics Mm -hmm. and they attached these nodes to their heads and they created this mind tune. I get goosebumps Mm. when I think about it. So like one person was on percussion, one person was on the whatever. I don't remember how they split it up, but they couldn't use their hands at all. So it was Mm -hmm. all based on their brain waves and they worked with them on. So let's say percussion. When you think about this, when you think when your brain is doing this one thing, the beat is going to be slow. When you make your brain do this other thing, the beat is going to be fast. And so they were using AI to enhance the ability for these quadriplegics to create this really cool collaborative piece of music. Um, and it was an EDM dance style yeah. song. Yeah. Um, and then Smirnoff went and played it like in clubs to, you know, promote. Uh, yeah. Vodka, but um, to make money, the whole premise was <laughs> like that was my hey, first patronage. Yeah, you know, yeah, that's that, right. that, yeah the yeah. patron. One time, it, you know, at some point in time, it was a lord and lady. At another that's time, right. it's Smirnoff. Smirnoff, yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> but that was a really cool application of something yeah. like this. Yes. To, well, and it yeah. always takes like a little bit. We not that we're always comfortable, but we all we at least feel like we have a grasp on what what the boundaries are. What uh-huh. you're talking about, and when something. Not just new, but like the smashes up expectations, and when that comes along, you know it takes it takes quite a while to get used to that idea. How's it going to work? How? Do, what are the ramifications of this? Like, think about the printing press. You know, like the people in power, and they think, wait, all of these people are going to get their hands on all the yeah. books we've had all the to ourselves yeah. now, mm-hmm. and. Yeah, what's that going to look like? So we just th- that, and I think that's the that's our inability is to like not be able to see what what reality will look like, like right in front of us, just mm-hmm. just not down the road, but like just like uh, yeah, a few years down a few the road, years, like what, yeah. What is scary about it now, like you're saying, this felt like it happened so fast. Of course it didn't, but like it came, it hit the masses so fast because we have access to our phones. So because you can put it in an app, now everyone has access to it if they want it versus Mm -hmm. a printing press costs a bunch of money to make. Everyone can't all of a sudden have their own printing press. So the speed at which the wildfire can spread is so much greater that then a lot of destruction can happen before you even realize. But that probably felt fast to them, though. The right, press. Yeah. right. Probably felt like things were moving at lightning speed. And probably in the future, they'll look back at us and think things didn't happen that fast either. Perspective, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> uh, one last thing. So that art duo operator who does all of uh-huh. these digital and 
you know, installations. Uh, they talk about how fast technology moves, and they mm-hmm. said, um, you know, we create a experience, and then we know that, you know, six months down the road, it's going to be obsolete. Mm-hmm. So, but they create anyway. And so their motto is technology um, doesn't age well, but concepts do. Mm. Mm, so good, yeah. if your concept is good, regardless of what tool you, that you're using, it's going to persist. I mean, yeah. we've got people on YouTube who are playing Bach. Yeah. That on concept, a piano. On a piano. Yeah. That concept it's entirely changed it. or the yeah. technology is entirely changed but the concept has persisted mm-hmm. yeah so and also also it sorry oh no go it, ahead no it, yeah it but it it also persists that people still specialize in harpsichord <laughs> just and seriously like some of my <laughs> teachers in graduate school were harpsichordists not keyboard players harpsichordists yes so that they could play bach in the style that it was intended yes and so that persists too mhm so that that concept has also persisted. Ooh, yes. I love that too. Mm-hmm. As someone who is currently hand sewing a garment for yeah. no other reason other than to have the experience of knowing what it's like to fully hand sew a garment, mm-hmm. but I someone, totally understand that. Someone out there though mm-hmm. is willing to pay more for that hand sewn garment just to know the care that it went yes. into that, and and the knowledge and the ability that it took. Yeah, that not that very few people have. It's very true. Also, yeah. You, if you're hand sewing, if that's your job, you can't hand sew for the masses. No, you so can't. you don't right. need no, everyone to care. So the exclusivity can still yes. remain. Yes. Mm-hmm. But everyone does need to be clothed. So we do need yes. another option. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, Fast fashion ain't it, but right. everyone does need to be right. clothed. We don't, everyone needs to be clothed. We need another option. Everyone doesn't need a closet crammed full of clothes. Of Shein right. nastiness. Mm. Um... Well, there you go. Deep dive, Madison. <laughs> Thank you so much for coming on, Andrew. I appreciate Thank it. You. Do we, we want to do sweet and sours and what we learned? I have Ooh. some written down. Oh, okay. Yeah, th- by all means. I totally you forgot. Didn't. I've been doing a lot of research. So, um, Okay, well, I'll just rattle mine off. Did you come prepared with a sweet and sour and what I we totally forgot. Okay, so <laughs> I'll just do mine since this is the first time that I've written them down in a while. And they're all kind of related. My sweet is that my daddy was just here and I'm working on a new project. Uh, that has been a long time coming and it is a very like involved project. It's going to involve wallpaper. It involves um, some Ikea cabinets that I'm making look like built-ins. My sour is that we went to Lowe's and I got a splinter and I thought that I got at it all Lowe's? out. Yeah, because I was looking at wood. Oh, so you're like going through the, yeah. like, the pieces. And yesterday and I thought that I got it out but I didn't. It's still there. And then I'm full on project brain. So... Last night I was still awake at two because uh, I couldn't sleep because I was thinking about my project. And what I'm learning is uh, how to do this project. <laughs> <laughs> so how much of it do you have done? Or like what are you, uh, the, what stage I, the cabinets are built, like just the what I've got from Ikea. But then now I'm having to work in, do I actually want them to look built in? Do I want them to look like they're floating, mm-hmm. but built for the space? You know, I'm yeah. kind of playing around with that. And really the next step will actually be the wallpaper because that part yeah. will have to get done before the cabinets can go Man, up. That's so exciting. I can't wait to see your process and how it turns out. I don't know if I want to paint it all or have parts that are painted and parts that are stained. Yeah. I'm limited by... What I had access to. That's true. So, anyway, we shall see, but I'm pumped 
up about it. That's exciting. Thanks for letting me do my sweet sour and what I'm what I'm learning. Absolutely. All right. I'm a, I'm a go so we can let Andrew get get some time in to write his. <laughs> so uh, my sour is I've had a headache since Saturday. <gasps> you should have told me I would have brought you my headache hat. Oh yeah, that's true. I mean, I Wait, I have migraine. Did you say headache? Hat. hat. Oh, it's I a hat. I thought you said headache cat. Oh, no. Dude, <laughs> I would love to have a headache cat if it, like, helps it does, chase away my it headache. It does yeah. sound the same. Yeah. You're saying a headache cat. Cat. Meow. Yes. And mine is a headache <laughs> hat. <laughs> yes. So, I'm sorry. Yeah. It does. It's, it doesn't make it. It doesn't it's keep not a it mic. away. Yeah. Oh, yeah. The headache hat, but it is, like, some... Pretty immediate relief when Some you soothing. have any. Yeah. yeah. Um, I have migraines, but th- I wouldn't call this a migraine. Mm. This is just like a, a persistent. Uh, persistent headache. Mm. This sucks. Um, so I'm not too happy about that. But... Um, my sweet is that right now I'm making some props and I tested out a new method for making something look like it's been like candy painted, like on a car where it's got that like shimmer when like the light hits it just right. So I like spray painted the object. And that's called candy painting. Okay. It's, that's kind of, that's the search term that I've used. Okay. So that when you type in like, you know, candy painting a model car, it looks like... Like a Sour Patch Kid. No. (laughs) (laughs) That's what I was thinking of. (laughs) Like on a car, there's depth to it. You've got the color, then you've got like the sort of like shimmery Mm -hmm. color to it, and then you've got a real glossy clear coat. So it looks like a candied apple. Mm. Oh, candied apple, not uh, Sour Patch Kid. Not Not Sour Patch Kid. Not Sour Candy. No, no, no. We're talking like like smooth and glossy. So spray paint... Then I brush on the my glossy coat and then I chrome shimmer and I'm like, yeah. Wait, this is this your so sweet good. or this is what you're learning? This is my sweet. Oh, okay. Because it worked out. Oh, oh, oh. So yeah. I'm like, yes. Um, See, AI I couldn't do that. This is true. <laughs> <laughs> but they definitely do have machines that paint cars I mean, that way. <laughs> right. A machine could do the painting. Yes. But like artificial intelligence couldn't like create the idea. A process. Or, yeah. And perhaps. the machine is not going to get the same. It's satisfaction feel joy. and happiness, yeah, as you are getting from the process. Let's hope not, because if they get aware. A machine couldn't create a headache cat either. No. So. <laughs> I, I don't know. I bet we could type headache cat into AI and get some, yeah. some good inspo. Yes. Um, and what I'm learning is I'm learning a new process for a class that I'm teaching. I'm teaching kids how to play Dungeons and Dragons. Ooh. And... I'm trying to do it in such a way that adds value other than here are the rules. Yeah. Mm. There is a lot of rules and people could probably get value out of a class that way. But I'm more interested in getting the kids to more focus on like role play and improv Mm. and how do you create an interesting character. And they were fairly engaged yesterday. And I was like, yes, the activity, these activities were a good (laughs) idea. Sometimes it doesn't always work out that way. Yeah. You think, oh, this activity is really going to engage them and it's going to help them learn, and then it falls flat on its face. Yeah, because sometimes the kids are duds. <laughs> oh. <laughs> but no, these it, it ended up working out really good, yeah. so I'm happy good. about cool. that. Yeah. All right. Okay. Um, well, I was inspired by both of you. <laughs> uh, both of One of each. So um, my sweet... Well, okay, I have to start out with um, my daughter, Tegan, turns 15 this week. Oh, my goodness. And so, you know, it's not... I mean, it's not a... You know, it's not 16. No, but, but it is. 15 You is get your a, driver's permit. Yeah, and like, then you're we've already started talking 16. about that. And yeah, so... Anyway, so it's a big week, and that's nice. And we're, we're going to have 
you know, she's gonna, she's gonna have fun this weekend yeah. with friends and all of that, and mm. so that'll be be cool. Um, but also then, uh, I think the last time that I was here, I talked about my baton making, my conducting yes. baton making, yes. which is coming along so nicely, and I'm mm. actually getting to the point where um, I'm actually starting about. Uh, I'm starting to think about doing this um, that that other people may want to acquire these batons that you make that I make Ooh. and so you know in just comparing them against uh, other batons that people pay good money for I think mine uh-huh. hold up and mm. they are they look good um, so uh, I'm I'm exploring those options um, so I'm excited about that that is very that's cool. exciting um, my sour is, uh, and this is influenced by it, but I also had a splinter. <gasps> no. Yes. Do you see? And I can't oh, see it. I, still I there? Just, no, I just got it out this morning. It <gasps> had been there for like four days. <gasps> and it was just because I was out in my garage and, you know, this piece of wood had collected some dust yeah. and I was just like not even thinking. Oh, yeah. And, whoop, and like wipe like, your hand across yeah, it. And it was like, oh, you know, that feeling of yeah. what did I just do? Yes. And yeah, so uh, I thought I got my piece out at Lowe's, but obviously I didn't. Yeah, it's still it's mad. Ugh. So that was my sour. Oh man. Um, my dad reminded me about my splinter. He said, "Remember when Madison had to get my no. splinter out? She did a really good job." Oh. <laughs> when my dad was here last time, I still had my shoulder sling, yeah. and so he had a splinter, but I couldn't get it out with my oh, left man. hand, and so Madison had to get it. <laughs> <laughs> splinter it out was yeah. Yeah. Hey, you know, if a human comes up to me and they're like, I have a splinter, I'm like, yeah, I'll take that out for you. That's, yeah. that's terrible. Yeah. My my skin hasn't, like, pushed it out yet to have a, something to pull. To so. grab onto? Yeah. Okay. Well, sorry to yeah. everyone who has, like, a weird thing about splinters. You've had to hear us talk. About I had, <laughs> I had a splinter, minutes. well, this has been last year, that I, that was... It was so big and in there so far. I, I oh. had to cut it out with a knife. Yeah, and it was in my in my hand. It was yeah. awful. It just goes to show you that sometimes it's not the big things. It's, it's no. the little things that get to yeah. you that can just be the worst. Oh yeah. Yep. 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 <sighs> All right, Madison. Friends. Thank you for um, walking us through that and yes. doing the yeah. Doing the fun heavy discussion. lifting on the deep dive. Absolutely, this was fun. I hope you, dear listener, also enjoyed it. So. Um, if you like it, let us know in the comments or in the know. comments. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I, can you tell I've been let watching a lot of YouTube somewhere. videos? Let us know somewhere, yeah. shoot us a message and we'll keep doing these. Or if you don't like it, please tell us because I will definitely end up doing more of these. I have fun with it. And if yeah. you don't want to listen to it, then you then don't have to. Tell don't us. tell us. <laughs> 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 tell us what you want Madison's next deep dive. There to you be go. On. Tell yeah. us that. Hit me up with that. Okay, have a good week. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye. Thank you to my dear, dear friend Craig Hudson for our very createful theme music. You can hear more of Craig's music on Spotify under Craig Hudson. That's Hudson with a T. Or you can just uh, click on the link in the show notes. Also, be sure to connect with Make Do on Instagram at Make Do Create or on Facebook at Make Do Cersei. And visit our website, makedocreate.org, for upcoming classes, show notes, to order a face mask, lots of things.